When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a Violent. Violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw that it seemed to be tongues of fire that spread in and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Where are you at? I think we got a different one up on the screen. Go ahead. You did awesome. Okay, guys. So for the little ones that go to children's worship can be dismissed now. Up through third grade or third three years old? Third grade. Third grade. Thank you. I am glad to be back again today. Um, it thrills me to have so many of my family here today. Um, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a shock. I'm looking out the front door and somebody pulls into my driveway across the street and I'm like, that doesn't look like... I knew my sister and brother-in-law were coming today. I'm like, that doesn't look like their car. Uh, and then out popped my two boys. So, um, and they're not little, so they're, they're big. Um, uh, they were very, uh, very surprising this morning. So I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. We started last week on a journey called Mantra. And what we determined was Mantra were, was this few words that we can repeat over and over again that will do several things for us. It will remind us of truth. It will inspire and motivate us and will challenge us and give us direction. And we talked about last week that the first mantra we should have as believers is that we should be the branch. Because if we know who we are, can you finish it? I said it two or three times. If we know who we are, we'll know what to do. If we know who we are, and so the beginning of it all for us to be effective followers of Jesus, first of all, is know who we are, that we're not the vine, we are the branch, and we are to remain in Him, and we're remaining connected to be the branch. So we have the picture over here, be the branch. And we're going to, uh, that, that's going to be a, a reminder that probably you're going to hear me come back to on a regular basis throughout the year, because truly, like we said last week, if we get that wrong, nothing else matters. And so we want to get that right, that in order to be an effective follower of Jesus, we've got to stay connected to the vine. This morning I want to introduce you to another mantra that we're going to try our best to live by. And that mantra is called catch the wind. Um, the wind, it's interesting. Wind is, is non-physical and tangible at the same time. You can't see it. You can't touch the wind. But you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's there, right? I mean, you know you can feel the wind. We can see its effect. Any of you ever stood in a Kansas wheat field and just felt the, wind, the gentle breeze? Uh, it's, that's a very relaxing thing if you can get away and just be out there 
to feel the wind gently blowing that and to watch it is amazing and relaxing to see. However, we also have some other winds here in Kansas um, that all of you are familiar with. Have you ever been outside in the middle of a tornado? Because quite the opposite effect is had, whereas wind, if it's gentle, can relax you, somehow this kind of wind gets us tense and gets us nervous and gets us worked up. Some of us head for the whole, some of us go to the porch to watch. Um, raise your hand if you go to the porch to watch. Thank you very much. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, wind is, is so different. You can't package it up and carry it. You can't put it in a bottle. So, oh, wow, I'd, I'd like a fresh breath. It doesn't work. But it's there and it's real. In um, the beginning of the church, in Acts 2, the passage that she read this morning, we see a very significant beginning, and it says these guys were all sitting around waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them in the first chapter, stay in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit. First of all, they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was, because they'd never experienced that before, and they didn't know how it was going to come out. But Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit that I've promised you, and in due time it will come. Well, how are they going to know? How do, did they were did this waiting for somebody to walk up and say, "Hey, hey, I'm Holy Spirit. Here I am." Um, how were they supposed to know? There was no real set plan in motion, but something happened on the day of Pentecost that made them know. Right? It says they were all together in one place, and then all of a sudden, a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind or a violent wind, depending on what translation you're looking at. Which sounds like our tornado, right? When, when, we, uh, when we hear that noise, then we sit up and pay attention. How many of you have been close enough to hear the, the roar of a tornado? I, some of you, uh, I, I've not been close enough to hear that roar, but they tell me it sounds almost like a freight train coming at you. It's so loud. Can you imagine sitting in the room with the apostles, and they're just sitting there together, praying. We don't know exactly everything that they're doing, but all of a sudden, the room is filled with the sound of a violent rushing wind, the sound of a tornado in the room. And, and what happened next was amazing, and they, they all of a sudden, as this played out, they understood what it meant for the Holy Spirit to come. It says that the Holy Spirit became like tongues of fire, and lit on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Up until this point, they had no clue what that meant. I'm not sure for the next little bit that they had a clue what that meant, because things were going to happen that they're like, how did I speak that language? I didn't even go to college. How did I, how did I communicate with this person or that person? God gave them spiritual gifts. Says, uh, there's the, the tornado is a violent thing, uh, and, and we see those, and we hear those, and we set up and take notice. Well, these, these men set up and took notice. Something happened in that room that day. Um, we, it, the, the text says it was sound was like the blowing of a mighty wind. This is where we come back to the metaphor that we began talking about last week. We talked about how Jesus uses metaphors in his teaching. This is one of those metaphors. He says, it was like the blowing of a white mighty wind. The Holy Spirit is hard to understand. And so, 
the scriptures tell us metaphors to help us kind of relate that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. So we have this topic that we're talking about catching the wind today. In the, Holy, in the Old Testament, the, word, the Hebrew word for wind was ruach. In the New Testament, the word, the Greek word was pneuma. Both of them mean essentially the same thing, wind or a breath of air. And that's how the Bible describes the Holy Spirit. He is the wind that moves us and directs us and guides us and fills us. Wind fills a balloon. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is the wind that fills us, moves us, and directs us. In John 3, Jesus used similar kind of language helping Nicodemus understand the Holy Spirit. He said in John 3, 8, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This idea of wind is something that we as a church and individually need to lean into just a little bit. And we need to begin to understand that uh, we have a relationship with the wind. And we have to decide what that relationship is going to be. Are you going to be the person that goes inside and gets in the hidey hole when the tornado comes? Or when the Holy Spirit's wind blows, are you going to stand on the front porch and greet the wind? How many of you have ever stood out in the middle of, I'm not talking about a tornado, but with some strong blowing wind, there's something revitalizing about that, isn't it? To feel the wind blowing on you. Um, now, not when it's cold and raining, but... Um, to feel the wind blowing, there's something invigorating about that. The Holy Spirit, we're told, is the wind. And we have to have a relationship behind that. with that. We have to either hide behind the doors of the church building or we have to say, listen, I'm going to embrace the wind of the Holy Spirit and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself out there to trust in the Holy Spirit's leading. Holy Spirit uh, is something that a lot of us struggle understanding all, all through our lives but this idea of the Holy Spirit being the wind that moves us and drives us, that's the kind of thing we want to begin living by as the church. We, want, we don't want, oh, we had a vote at the board meeting and this is why we're doing this. No, we want to say the Holy Spirit is moving and the Holy Spirit says we need to do this. We want to go this way because the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing us and moving us. And we want to respond to His leading, not so-and-so's good idea or, uh, or what, I, you know, what we as individuals think. We want to surrender to that wind and let Him move us where we need to go. We need to be good with that as a church. Here's one of the things that may happen. As we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, He may blow the wind a direction that we're not used to. He may blow us in a direction that maybe we're even uncomfortable with. We have to decide, will we as individuals and as a church, will we stick with our comfort zone or are we willing to say, listen, if the Holy Spirit is moving that way, we're going to follow the wind of the Holy Spirit. There are going to be some times probably within this first year, where you're going to say, wait a minute, why are we doing that that way? Well, we want, to, we want to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. We want to do the absolute best we can for the people that are, are, are coming here and hearing the gospel message. And so we may, there may be some changes that happen. And I want you to ask yourself at that point, am I upset about this because this affects my comfort zone? 
And in my choosing to choose my comfort over the Spirit's leading. Because we need to evaluate that on a regular basis. How many of you get opinions and you think your opinion is the best? Every one of you raise your hand. If you had an opinion you don't think it's the best, you'd have a different one. Right? We all have opinions and we think they're the best ones. How many of you have recognized that your opinion doesn't always jive with God's? I know I have. I know I have. We have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit's movement and follow Him where He leaves. I want you to think this morning of the church very much like a sailboat. So, how many of you saw the lovely sailboat as you came in this morning? Anyone want to take a ride today? (laughs) No one? No takers? Okay. Um, I want us to think about the church as a sailboat. You know, you look at a sailboat... And I don't, know, I don't care who you are, if you love sailing or if you, if you don't love sailing, you look at a, at a picture like that and it's like, man, that's awesome. You see a, a sailboat full with the sails full of wind and rushing across. I mean, this, is, this almost is enough to just get you excited and, and make your heart start pumping. There's something exciting about a sailboat being driven across an ocean with nothing but wind. And I want you to to let that analogy kind of sink into you. What will it look like if we raise the sails and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and He's driving us places that maybe we've never been before? But the exhilaration of letting the Spirit drive the vessel is huge and it's amazing. How many of you love the ocean? Anyone just love the ocean? My wife does. She'd live on a beach if I could... I said, we're going to Kansas. She goes, there's no ocean there. I'm like, well, sorry. Maybe we'll take a vacation. Raise your hand again if you love the ocean. How many of you love sailing? Okay, a couple people have sailed before. I can't say I love it, but I, I'm, I'm kind of like one of those, they call them land lovers, you know. Oh, I love to see the sailboats out on the ocean. I, I love to see... I really don't want to puke, and so I don't want to go out there because the boat sometimes gets to rocking and I get uncomfortable, a little queasy in the stomach, but I love to watch it. It's easy for the church to become land lovers. And it's one of those things that we need to step across that threshold and say, well, I, I'll, just watch, I'll just watch the church go by. I'll, I'll take a look at what's happening and I'll, oh man, I love that. I love seeing that. Uh, I'm going to stand here on the land where my feet are solid. The ground doesn't move underneath me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be safe and secure. And so many times as the church, we choose the safety of the land because it's a little risky when you're on the sailboat. It's a little risky out there. You can't tell me that these guys aren't risking their lives. I mean, look at that boat. I've seen, I saw some pictures as I was look, uh, preparing for this. I mean, guys that are, the sailboat's hanging over almost 60 degrees angle and they're hanging on for dear life. Good grief, that's scary as all get out. I don't want to be there. But you know what? In regards to following the Holy Spirit, I want to be hanging on for dear life. I want my feet dangling in the water with my hands gripping for all I'm worth to hang on to what he's doing. And we have to make a decision and you will decide as an individual will you let the Holy Spirit blow you where he wants or will you stay safe? 
And we, the, the more people that decide, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit move me, makes it much easier for the whole church to say, listen, let's let the Holy Spirit move us. Let's let him take us where he wants us to be. There, there is an invitation for us to board the ship. The wind's blowing. It's crazy. And it, we don't even know where we'll end up because the wind, we don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. We don't know exactly where it's going to take us. It could be scary. But the invitation is for you to step on board the ship. 1 Corinthians 12 Verse 12 says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. You see, the way the church body works is that you have this ability, you have that ability, you have another ability, you have another ability, and the church needs every single one of us to come together as a unit. So it's not okay for two or three of us to decide, yeah, I'm not getting on the boat. What happens is the body is weaker for that. As we join together and each of us realize this is what I can do for God, this is what I'm willing to do for God, as you join in that, you make the church a stronger unit by saying, I'm willing to do my part. Maybe your part is simply cleaning, dumping the trash in the bathroom once a week. Maybe your part is washing the coffee pots after church. Maybe, you're, maybe your part is simply standing at the door welcoming someone, handing them a bulletin. Whatever your part was, there's a part for every one of us. Every one of us have abilities that God wants us to use as the body of, of Christ. Um, there's an option when you join the boat, though. And I got this boat out here in the it was kind of, I'm like, I, I didn't dream for a moment that I would find a sailboat in Galesburg, Kansas. Um, I, I called David and I said, man, is there any, you know, anybody that's got a sailboat? Nah, I don't think so. I don't. I'm like, can we get a flat-bottom boat out there at least? So give me a boat of some sort out there. Well, here he calls me and says, hey, Derek had somebody move out. He's got a sailboat. I'm like, yes. So we set the sailboat up out here. And I already asked you, I've got no takers for sailing on that boat well if you look close there's probably a good reason for not getting on that boat <laughs> however you are invited to step onto the boat and to let your sail raise and catch the wind now there's different things that people have in their mind when they get onto a boat some people have the mentality that uh, that we're just along for a ride the truth is, we are called to be part of the body. There's a phrase used in, in sailing called shorthanded. We've heard this, we've used this, every time you're short of a, short a person, but it initiated from the nautical world. And every time there weren't enough hands to get the sail raised. Now, this sail out here, Joe and I did it. Okay, and he did it this morning by himself. So this, this size of boat is not kind of what we're talking about. But some of those boats... If you've ever been by, any of you been by the harbors and seen some of the big sailboats in the, raise your hand if you've seen some of those. We got to go by uh, Louisiana and, and uh, somewhere else out there. Where did we go? Anyway, we saw all these amazing ships out in the harbor. Some of those sails are two and three hundred pounds. And they're huge. And the masts are, you know, 40, 50, 60 feet long. And it takes 
numerous. One person can't raise the sail. And it takes multiple people. Well, one of those terms is that idea of shorthanded. In the body of Christ, we need all of us to help raise the sails. We can't operate if we're shorthanded. God's calling all of us to step up our, our life in regards to this. Another nautical term uh, is all hands on deck. I've heard that before a lot of times, which simply means we need everybody's help. That came from the world of sailing. All hands on deck means, listen, there's stuff to do. We can't have anybody sitting downstairs in the galley. Um, get over your, you know, for me it would be, get over your seasickness and get up here because there's something to do. That's a term that we need to understand as a church. All hands on deck. There is not a, a space for us to say, no, I'm not needed. Every single person is needed in the body of Christ. If a church is a sailboat, too often the boat never leaves the harbor. It's a picture of boats in the harbor. And we've, you know, we talked a little bit about that, seeing those. It's cool to see, but really, that's not very exciting. There's really no adventure in the ships being in the harbor. Because what do they do in the harbor? They just sit there. They look like sailboats, but we're not even sure because there's no sails lifted up. It's kind of boring. And you have some idea, maybe these were meant for something. But sitting in the harbor gives us no real understanding of what a sailboat was made for. It's not made to sit in a harbor. The harbor's safe. And there's little room for failure in the harbor. If you've seen some of these harbors, a lot of them have a, a breaker that comes along and there's like a narrow entrance, but there's a big breaker out there. So not even the waves will come into the harbor. The waves are stopped by that section of land or sometimes it's a man-made section to stop the big waves because the harbor is safe. And as long as you're sitting in the harbor, you are going to be safe. There's very little that can touch you in a sailboat if you're in the harbor. But... You're not sailing. You're not sailing unless you go through that opening and you push out to the open water and you lift those sails. And when you lift the sails, you feel the wind take hold and you, there's a dangerous aspect to that because you're not in control anymore. You have some control. You can pull the... the, the sails this way and that, but the reality is you're at the mercy of the wind and the open seas. A lot of us in church have the temptation to stay in the harbor. You look at the history of this church, and ever since I've been here, I've been told stories of the great legacy of people from the past and how great this church has been in the past it's easy to say well you know let's just rest on those accomplishments and and let's just coast that's not what it means to be a follower of christ that's not what god has intended for his church the facts are we were made for the open sea look at this picture that's what we were made for 
hanging on for dear... You can't see these guys, but their knuckles are white. They're, they're sick. They're scared to death because it's scary out there. And guys, I'm not saying that this is going to be like an easy journey. It's going to be scary, but it's well worth it. You talk to those guys when they finally make land again, and they'll tell you of the exhilaration of the sea. They'll tell you how, how amazing they felt out there in the midst of it all, interacting with the, with the elements. That's what we want. I can't wait for God to begin blowing us and us telling some stories of, Oh my gosh, let me tell you where the, the Holy Spirit blew us and, and here's who came to know Jesus because of His moving. I can't wait for us to hear some of those kind of stories as we go forward of the Holy Spirit driving us and moving us into scary waters and, and dangerous waters. But He's in charge and He is in control. The fact is we were made for the open sea. As Christians, we weren't made. I, I remember a college professor that, we, that said one time, we were not, we're not saved to sit. You didn't come to Christ so you could take up your spot in the seats this morning. Matter of fact, you could probably do far more by, and I'm not advocating missing a Sunday, but oh my goodness, if you were serving someone, I would say, way to go. Come back next week, but way to go if you're serving because we were saved to serve. We were saved for action. We were not saved to sit and become lumps on logs. I love the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, verse 29. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit appears to Philip and he says, I want you to go up to this Ethiopian eunuch and I want you to talk to him. And the text says, Philip immediately ran to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip, and he didn't say, well, I'll get around to that. I'll, I'll, let me think about that. Let me process. I, I need to pray about that for a few days. And then, and then if, if I feel the Spirit moving, I'll go, that isn't what he said. The Holy Spirit said, Philip, go to him. And Philip immediately ran when was the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you and instead of saying, well, let me, wait, let me process this. Let me think about it a minute. Give me a week. We just immediately acted. Here's one of the things I've discovered, and I'm still not good at this. I, I try hard. One of the things I've discovered is if, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you act on that somewhat immediately... <laughs> He talks even more. He, said, he says, hey, I've got somebody to listen to me and do what I tell him to do. I'm going to tell him again. Some of us think, well, man, I really, I'm not sure when the last time I heard the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure how to hear the Holy Spirit. But here's what happened with Philip. He immediately responded and he ran over to the eunuch. And the story ends with him baptizing me in a puddle along the side of the road. I don't, maybe a ditch or something. It doesn't really say what kind of water it was, but he, he was obedient to the Holy Spirit and, and he baptized him. When the Holy Spirit told him to do something, he did it immediately. And that's what we want to become as the church. If the Holy Spirit moves you, then we want you to respond to that immediately. 
Um, if the wind blows, we want to raise the sails. We want to lift the sails up. Now, sailboats have engines, most of them. This one doesn't. <laughs> um, but most sailboats have engines, but they're not designed to operate on the open sea. You can putter around the harbor with it, and if you're just trying to impress your friends that you have a boat, you know, you, know, you don't really know how to sail, but you, you can drive around the harbor with it and pretend like you're sailing, but the, you don't go very far, you don't go very fast, and, and the chances are you're not really going to have a ton of fun. There's not going to be much enjoyment, but you can get around... But the engines are only made to get us to open water. The engines are only designed to get us to the open water to let the Holy Spirit or the air, the wind move us. The wind is there waiting for us to raise the sails. There's a, a couple of practical ways that we can catch the wind. Um, skipped over something. The guys that I asked to hand out something, would you... Would you guys pass those sheets out right now? One of the things that we sometimes say is, well, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's talking to me. I don't know if he's asking me to do something. How do I know the Holy Spirit's voice? How can I tell if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's something else? Can you give me one of those two? I forgot to grab one. Can you hand me one of those, please? I came across this in some materials that Joe and I had gone through a while back, and I thought this, this is something that every one of us needs to hear. We need to understand and have an understanding that there are voices that speak to us all the time. Three main voices, and the voices are God and, and the Holy Spirit, and then there's Satan, and then there's us. We speak into our life, Satan speaks into our life, and God speaks into our life. There are some other things out there, but these are the three centralized things that I want us to understand today. And I want you to look at the chart that you've got, and I want you to see the difference between these voices. In the first column, it says God and the Holy Spirit. He's the Good Shepherd. He loves and woos us. Woo is one of those terms we don't use anymore. You older folks might remember some of the, about wooing the op, member of the opposite sex. It's, it's convincing us to fall in love with him. He woos us. He says loving things to us. Satan drives and forces us. So if you hear a voice and it feels forced and it's like something driving you, maybe you're hearing the voice of Satan. And then we ourselves... We just desire attention. Some people, you know who they are. Don't raise any hands, don't point. Some people really need a lot of attention. Go back to the first column. The, God and the Holy Spirit encourages us. Satan intimidates, demands, and threatens us. We just have unreasonable expectations. The Holy Spirit gives clear and specific instructions. Go to the man in the chariot. And Satan exaggerates and he gives vague and confusing instructions. And we simply analyze all the instructions. The Holy Spirit calls us by name. He's very personal. Satan calls us by our sin. And it's always negative. 
And we just kind of get involved in self-promoting or self-demeaning. The Holy Spirit speaks truth and values you. Satan speaks lies and attacks and devalues you. We simply strive to manipulate and control. Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and offers forgiveness. Satan condemns us, rejects us, and blames us. The, we self-protect and we justify our actions. The Holy Spirit speaks in supernatural ways. Satan uses magic, tricks, spells, sensationalism. We just simply use reason and logic. The Holy Spirit offers hope and strength. Satan instills fear and doubt. We depend on our self-pride. The Holy Spirit stretches you. Satan limits you. We limit ourselves to our natural abilities. God doesn't, Holy Spirit doesn't compare you to others. The, the Satan, the thief, forces you to compare yourself with others. And we ourselves compare ourselves to others. The Holy Spirit has ample provision for us. With Satan, it's never enough. We tend to be materialistic and self-sufficient. Holy Spirit wants you to trust God only. Satan wants you to trust anything but God. We want us to trust ourselves. And the bottom line of it all, the Holy Spirit wants all the glory. Satan wants all the glory. And we want all the glory. This is something that I, I'd like you to take a look at in your life. And, and use that as an evaluation tool. Because we're talking about having the Holy Spirit move us. And talk to us and speak to us. And ask us to go a certain direction. You need to begin understanding how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Use that as an evaluation tool when you're hearing something. You're like, yeah, I don't know, I'm hearing this. Is this of God? Is this of, of me? Use that to, to ascertain. And if you're struggling with it beyond that, ask someone. Ask one of the elders. Ask me. Don't be, don't be hesitant to ask. God wants to speak to you way more than you want to hear Him speak. And that's just the truth. Let me clarify the metaphor for us this morning. The Holy Spirit is not the sail. We are. Just like the first week, we sometimes tend to be the vine or want to be the vine. We're not the vine. We're the branches. In regards to Him moving us, we are not... The Holy Spirit is not the sail. We are. The Holy Spirit is the wind. The Holy Spirit is what moves us and drives us and we need to pay attention to that. I think sometimes... I think we don't know we're on a sailboat. I think sometimes we think that the church is maybe a yacht or a cruise ship. Uh, pardon me, sir. Uh, what time is meal served today? Well, if you'll take, make it wear your finest clothes down to the dining room, at, we're not a cruise ship. We don't have a cruise director. There's not anyone you can call when you don't get things the way you want them. That's not how the church body is set up. It's a sailboat. And we need everybody working. It's not, a, it's not a pleasure cruise. This is not a time for you to go on vacation. This is not a day for you to come rest at the end of your, at the beginning of the week so that you're, this is a day for us to be united as followers of Jesus Christ, listening Paying attention, where is the Holy Spirit moving us? 
And how do we respond to that? Remember what Acts 2 said. It was like the sound of a violent wind. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost? They raised their sails. They caught the wind. The wind caught them. And that's what happens sometimes. When we raise the sails, we catch the wind, but the wind catches us and begins to move us sometimes where we've never been before. My commitment and challenge to you this morning is that as a church, we will not play it safe. We will not play it safe. I want us to be dangerous. I want us to be scary, hanging on the edge, not knowing what God's going to do next, but standing there, holding on like those crazy guys on that ship that were hanging on for dear life because we trust in the sail. We trust in the wind that's blowing us. We trust that He's going to take us in good places and that he's going to see us there safely. The late A.W. Tozier expresses his concern for the church this way. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Did you catch that? If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today... 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they said, what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. I want us to be that other side where the Holy Spirit is moving and we let Him have free reign. We say to Him in our hearts and corporately as a body, Holy Spirit, fill us. Blow us where you want us to go. Show me what you want me to do. Tell me how to speak to that neighbor that's, that's uh, a pain in my backside. Show me how to talk to that spouse of mine that won't listen to anything I say. Show me how to do those things. I, now nobody poking. I, I saw some looks going around there. The point is, the early Christians were absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit. They couldn't dream of doing anything without the Holy Spirit. And I want us to come to that as a body. To where we won't dream of attempting anything that the Holy Spirit's not a part of. I want us to have dreams that say, unless God is in the middle of this, there's no way in the world we're ever going to do this. Patty shared... Sorry, Patty, I mentioned your name. Uh, Patsy, I mean... I was out at their house for New Year's and they were playing a game and it was, it was a silly game but she got real serious and made all of us feel bad because we were all being silly. And Her New Year's resolution was she wanted to see 250 people by 2021 in this church. Think that's going to happen if we don't let the Holy Spirit blow in the sails? It's never going to happen. But it could be bigger than that. If we truly get out of the way, we lift our sails and let the Holy Spirit move us. I want you to think about these mantras as the worship team comes back up this morning. I want us to remember that God calls us to be the branch. He wants us to remain in Him because if we don't remain in Him, we can do nothing. And I want us to remember that if we're going to do what He's calling us to do, 
we've got to catch the wind. We've got to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and say, listen, take me where you will. This morning we're going to sing a closing song. And I want to invite you. You see, one of the things that I know is every one of us always have a next step that we need to take. I don't care where you're at. There's a next step that you need to move to. Maybe it's accepting Christ. Maybe you've never, you've never stepped into a relationship with Christ. Maybe, maybe you've come with family and, and you've been even regular here, but you've never really stepped up and said, listen, I, I want this for me. I want to invite you this morning to take advantage of that opportunity. If you need to surrender your life and heart to Jesus Christ, then I, I invite you to do that today. Maybe your next step is just stepping out on faith and saying, listen, I'm, I'm willing to raise the sail. I want to ask you to do something this morning. If you're willing to raise your sail, if you're willing to say, listen, I'm willing to start listening to the Holy Spirit, would, would you just stand up with me this morning? If you're willing to say, I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit lead, will you stand up? Seems like a whole lot of decisions just got made this morning. I know some of you stood up because I don't want to be the one sitting down. But I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to work in you and that as we go forward, as we catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, that we will experience amazing things that we're going to tell our grandchildren about. We're going to say, man, the Holy Spirit began moving in the church in 2020, and you will not believe the stories we got to tell. Let's sing our decision. And if you need to make a decision, and if you need to make a next step, Hello. So, we have two cats that live in our house. I was going to say we have two cats, but you know that they own you more than you own them. Um, one of them, the fat one, has invented a game where he will run off and hide somewhere, and then he just lets out the most pitiful, pathetic howling, like he's in serious trouble. And I don't speak cat, but I assume what he's saying is, Foster, come help me, please, please. And the other one, no matter where he is, if he's sleeping, eating, no matter what he's doing, he will always run to go see what kind of trouble his brother is in to go help him. But here's where the game comes in. Teddy will be like hiding behind a corner or under a piece of furniture and just waiting for his brother to rush in and be like, I'm here, what's the problem? And then he jumps out and gets him. And he never hurts him, but he'll chase him throughout the house and they're like playing tag and he's just so pleased with himself. He's like, I tricked him again. <laughs> and then Foster will like run away and Teddy goes and does it again over and over and over. And no matter how many times this happens, for years, he'll fall for it every time. 
And it's hilarious to watch, and you're like, ha-ha, cats are so dumb. <laughs> but um, how many times do we fall for the same tricks over and over? We have someone who's tricking us, and he doesn't want to play tag. Um, he wants to destroy us. And for years, over and over, every time, we will fall for the same tricks. And I don't know what your trick is that you fall for. I know what mine is. But you know, without me even saying it, exactly what I'm talking about. And as we come to communion, it's a time to remember what Jesus has done for us. It's not up to us. He has provided a way for us to get the help that we need. And so I'm just really thankful for the blood that he shed and his body that was broken so that we could have the help we need to avoid the tricks of the devil and so that we don't continuously make a fool of ourselves. So let's pray. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, um, that you made a way for us to know you uh, and to to get 